Chapter Fifteen of the Lances of Linwood by Charlotte Mary Young. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It was still very early, and the narrow line of sky seen from the turret window was gilded by the bright, pale green light of morning. When Sir Eustace awoke, all around was perfectly still, and he could have believed himself waking merely from a dream of tumult and disturbance, but for his feelings of pain and weakness at some little distance lay on a softly dressed sheepskin the oriental figure of the jewish mediciner and at the foot of his own bed the unexpected form of little arthur reclined half sitting half lying with his head resting on his crossed arms and his long curls floating over them all was a riddle to his misty remembrance clouded by weakness and in vague uncertain recollections and conjectures the time rolled away till the sounds of awakening and calls of the warders within the castle betokened that it was occupied by no small number of persons still arthur slept on and used to abstain from the slightest movement that could disturb him till a step stole quietly to the door and gaston's head was seen cautiously and anxiously looking in eustace raising his hand beckoned him and made a sign of silence how is it with you sir eustace it must needs be better i see a light in your eye once more i am another man since yesterday gaston but be careful see there little fear of breaking such sleep as that said gaston tis a noble-hearted little fellow and if matters go better with us henceforth it will be his work what has become of clisson he was riding off headlong when master henry neville last beheld him gaining thereby a sound rating from old chandos sir john chandos here fast asleep in your own carved chair with his feet on the oaken settle sir john chandos again exclaimed eustace even so all thanks to that brave young damoiseau who here gaston's ardour had the effect of awakening the doctor who immediately began to grumble at his patients admitting visitors without permission by the time he had examined eustace's wounds and pronounced him to be progressing favourably the whole castle was up and awake and arthur against his will was sent down to attend on sir john chandos at breakfast when scarce satisfied that his uncle could speak to him in process of time he came up to announce a visit from chandos himself and close on his steps followed the stalwart old warrior pausing at the door he looked around him struck with the aspect of the dungeon-like apartment still more rugged in the morning light than in the evening gloom the bare rough walls an arrow sticking between the stones immediately above the knight's head the want of furniture the knight's own mantle and that of gaston both called into requisition to protect him from the damp chill night air their bright hues and rich embroidery contrasting with the squalid appearance of all around as indeed did the noble though pale features of the wounded man himself and the graceful attire and shining hair of the fair young boy who stood over him but sir john beheld all with no dissatisfaction well my brave young sir said he advancing how is it with you this morning you look cheerily 
I trust we shall soon have you on horseback again. Thanks to the blessed saints and to you, Sir John, replied Eustace. I fear you fared ill last night, for, he looked around with a smile, you see, I occupy the state bedchamber. The better, Sir Eustace, said Chandos. It does my heart good to see such a chamber as this. None of the tapestry and hangings which our young knights nowadays fence themselves with, as if they kept out the foe. This is what it is meant for, a stronghold and not a bower. I'll have my dainty young master Neville up here to see how a good knight should be lodged. I fear he would scarce consider it as an example, said Eustace, smiling since all our simplicity would not have availed to protect us but for your coming we little dreamed to see this morning's light true but where should i look for a garrison to make such a defence as you and your squire have done when i saw the spot and looked at the numbers and heard how long you had held out methought i was returned once more to the good old days of calais and here this youth of mine not yet with his spurs though i dare say full five years older than you must needs look sour upon it because he has to sleep on a settle for one night <laughs> and that too when he has let oliver de clisson slip through his fingers without so much as a scratch taken or given on either side it grieves my very soul to think on it but all has gone to rack and ruin since the prince has been unable to set the example is the prince better in health yes so they say but his looks tell another tale and i never expect to see him on horseback again said the old warrior with a deep sigh but i have to do his bidding here and have much to ask of you sir eustace and i do it the more willingly that i rejoice to see a brave man righted has the prince then commanded an inquiry into my conduct exclaimed eustace joyfully it is what i have ever most warmly desired and you know whom you have to thank said sir john that youngster who stands at your feet twas he that with little prince edward burst into the council and let not another word be said till he had told your need given folk clarinum the lie direct and challenged him to prove his words Pray when is the defiance to be fought out sir page arthur colored crimson and looked down then raising his glowing face said firmly to-morrow if need were sir for god would defend the right roundly spoken master page but let not your early years be all talk nothing worth the same warning that you gave to me sir john said eustace when you thought I looked coldly and churlishly on your new-won honours, said Sir John, I own I thought the prince was bestowing knighthood over lightly. And so do I say still, Sir Eustace. But I saw afterwards that you were not so easily uplifted as I had thought. I saw you as diligent in the study of all that was knightly, as if your spurs were yet to earn and i knew the prince had a brave young servant in you if he would have trusted me said eustace 
He hath been deceived by the flatterers who have gained his ear. It should not have been thus had I been at court. But things have been much against my counsel. It may be that I have been too plain-spoken, forgetting that he is not the boy who used to be committed to my charge. It may be that he hath been over-hasty. And yet, when I look on his changed mien and wasted face, I can scarce blame him. Nor must you, Sir Eustace, though cruel injustice hath, I fear, been done you. I blame our glorious prince, exclaimed the young knight. I would as soon blame the sun in heaven, because the clouds hide his face from me for a time. The clouds are likely to be dispersed with a vengeance, said Chandos. The confession of yonder mutinous traitors will clear you from all that your accusers have said by proving their villainy and baseness. How? Sanchez and his fellows? Have they surrendered? Yes, they kept themselves shut up in Montfort's tower until they lost all hope of relief from their friends without. Then, being in fear of starvation, they were forced to surrender and came forth praying that their lives might be spared. I, as you may suppose, would as lief have spared the life of a wolf, and the halters were already round their necks. When your dark-visaged squire prayed me to attempt to gain a confession from them, and sure enough they told a marvellous tale, that Clarenham had placed them here to deliver you up to the enemy whom they were to admit by a secret passage, and that they would have done it long since, save that you and your squire not only discovered the passage, but showed such vigilance, and so frustrated all their plans, that they firmly believed that you held commerce with the foul fiend. Did you, in truth, suspect their treachery? Yes, replied Eustace, looking at Arthur, the recognition of Laborna Basque and the Seneschal would have been sufficient to set us on our guard. But the passage, asked Sir John, what knowledge had you of that? For they vow that you could never have discovered it but by art magic. We found it by long and diligent search. And what led you to search, Sir Eustace? If you can clear up the matter, it will be the better for you for this accusation of witchcraft will hang to you like a burr, the more, perhaps, as you are somewhat of a scholar. It was I who warned him of it, Sir Knight, said Arthur, stepping forward. You, young page, exclaimed Sir John, are you jesting? Ha, then you must have, page-like, been eavesdropping. I should scarce have thought it of you. Oh, uncle, exclaimed Arthur in great distress, you do not believe me capable of aught so unknightly. Do but say that you at least trust my word when I say that I learnt their plots by no means unbecoming the son of Sir Reginald Linwood. I believe you fully, Arthur, replied his uncle, the more that I should have been the last person to whom you would have brought information gained in such a fashion. "'And how was it gained?' asked Sir John. 
that said the boy is a secret i am bound never to disclose strange passing strange repeated the old knight shaking his head clarinum and ashton would scarce have taken any into their counsels who would warn you and you will or can tell no more no more replied the boy i was bidden secretly to warn my uncle of the entrance to the vaults and of the treachery of this villain garrison i did so and he who says aught dishonourable of him or of me lies in his throat can you read this riddle sir eustace asked chandos looking rather suspiciously at the very faint glow which mantled in the white cheek of the wounded knight i know nothing but what he has told you sir john replied he nor guess aught said sir john but perhaps that is scarce a fair query and i will to the rest of my business though it is scarce needed only i would have the prince see the full extent of the falsehoods with which he has been gulled and he then proceeded to inquire into the circumstances of lady eleanor's funeral the brawling the violent abstraction of arthur and of a considerable portion of his property and the long delay which had given his enemies so much opportunity to blacken his character eustace explained all fully to the satisfaction of chandos and appealed to numerous witnesses that is well said the old knight we shall have it all clear as daylight and the only wonder is that the prince could be so long deceived by such monstrous falsehoods let me see your right to the wardship is established yes it hath been so decided by the bishop of winchester and let me tell you sir eustace you did yourself little good by getting the interest of the duke of lancaster methought it still further prejudiced the prince it was justice that i sought not favour said eustace the knightly view said sir john and it was more the work of your friends than yourself but i never loved that young john of lancaster and still less since he hath seemed willing to make a party for himself i trow he hath given the prince a distrust of all uncles ha little varlet added he as he met arthur's eyes if you can keep one secret keep another or still better forget what i have said understandest thou i will answer for him said eustace and now said chandos i must be on my way back for that expedition to besancon must be looked to but what is to be done with the boy oh i remain here cried arthur eagerly the prince consented oh i pray of you to let me stay here in this dismal old castle arthur said eustace apart from all your playmates it will not be like home remember for scarce ever will you be able to go beyond the walls and with me lying here and gaston always occupied you will find it weary work not with you uncle eustace i shall sit by you and tend you and read to you it is so long since i have been with you oh send me not away i care for no playmate for nothing in the wide world as for you 
well let him in stay said sir john it will be a better training for him than among the gilded little varlets who are cockered up among princess joan's ladies the two knights had next to arrange some matters respecting the garrison sir john leaving a sufficient number of men to secure the castle in case of a second attack he was somewhat inclined to leave master henry neville to command them but consideration for eustace and gaston induced him to spare the young gentleman a sojourn which he would have regarded as so far from enviable nor was the leech more desirous of a lengthened stay with a patient whom he suspected to be unable to requite him for the discomforts which he might endure in his service he therefore pronounced sir eustace to stand in no further need of his attentions and recommending rest and providing him with good store of remedies he saddled his mule to accompany sir john chandos the old commander took his leave with many kind wishes for sir eustace's speedy recovery and promises that he should ere long hear from bordeaux in ten minutes more arthur standing at the window announced that the troop was riding off with clisson's pennon borne among them in triumph and sanchez and his accomplices with their hands tied and their feet fastened together beneath the bodies of their horses end of chapter fifteen